Hey, uh, we're in conversation with Mohammed Leela, founder of Goodable. And what is Goodable? Well, let's get the man himself to discuss what exactly we're on about here, because I've been a fan since it came to be, because I think of myself, Mohammed, as a positive person, yet you've taken it to a whole other level for the world to enjoy. So tell us about Goodable. Uh, first of all, Dan, thank you for uh, setting this up and, and talking with us. I love what you do, and I love the positive energy that you put out into the world. I think if everybody spent even 5% of their day putting out positivity into the world, the world would be a completely different place. Um, but, but my background is I'm a war zone correspondent. I've spent the last 10 years of my life literally on the front lines of the world's biggest conflicts. I averaged 100 flights a year, and I've um, been to more war zones than people even know exist in the world. Um, I, I've, I've been nominated for awards and stuff, but that's not what drives me. Um, the, the biggest achievement in my life is that ISIS, the Taliban, Russians, and Egyptians all tried to kill me. Oh and <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I could win whatever award I could win, but that, that means nothing compared to the fact that like, I think when when you get targeted for journalism, it means you're doing something right. Yeah. And so not only am I proud that I was doing something right, but I'm I'm even more proud of the fact that I was able to keep my team safe, and we made it out of all of those occasions. On one occasion, a bullet just grazed over our heads. Another one, the Taliban found out that we were on an embedded assignment with the military, and they were waiting for us. They ambushed us in the mountains, and one day you're one day you're walking around this beautiful mountain scenery. And then literally 10 seconds later, there's gunfire and like small arms fire and heavy arms fire coming from everywhere. And you're trying to figure out why the hell you chose this career in the first place. Yeah. Um, but, but that's my background. And um, so that's, I bring that up because that's a big part of the story of how Goodable started. Um, I was born and raised in Toronto and I worked my way up very quickly. Started covering local car crashes at City TV here in Toronto, went to CBC where I was anchoring nationally. And then I went to ABC and CNN. And so at CNN, uh, I went back and I looked at every single time I got on a plane, right? So some people have a resume. Yeah. I have a list of all the airports I've flown into. That's my resume. And every time they were sending me somewhere, it was because something bad had happened, like a terror attack, a plane crash, a famine, civil war, flood, you name it. Yeah. And I really wanted to know why. I wanted to know why is it that all these big news networks, basically any news network in the world only covers bad news. And, and initially it was because I was just really frustrated, but it consumed me. It became this existential question. Why is it that we only consider bad news as news? Why doesn't good news count as news? Why, why don't neighbors helping neighbors count as news? If a neighbor stabs a neighbor, it's going to be on the front page. Right. But if, an, if a neighbor has been driving somebody else to work because they couldn't afford it for the last 20 years, you'd never hear about it. Yeah. But the impact of that good is just as good as the impact of that evil. And so anyways, long story short, I went to my bosses. I saw some numbers internally that were showing us that audiences were hungry for good news, but nobody was delivering it to them. So I did the good corporate thing where I raised my hand and I went to my boss and I said, hey, hey, look at these numbers. Look what I found. And... And, and I, I had a pitch. I said, why don't you let me create one team? So CNN has, I don't know, hundreds of teams like around the world, or at least dozens of teams around the world. I said, let me create just one team and we'll fly around the world showing all the good things that are happening. I didn't, I didn't want to sort of like overthrow the system. I just said, just let me create one small little team. They love the idea. They love the business model behind it. 
Um, but they shot the idea, the idea down pretty quickly because um, I, was, I was good at covering war zones and I'm, I'm still pretty good at it. Um, and when you're good at something, it's hard to pull you off of that thing because you know, then they have a hole that they need to fill, right? So I came back with an idea. I said, let's build the world's first ever news network that only covers good news. And the first thought that comes into your mind is, well, somebody must have done that already. And the closest thing that we could find was like the Oprah network, it's like positive <laughs> right. and uplifting, but yeah. it's, not, it's not really news. Yeah. Um, there are some people out there that are doing good news, but they're, they're basically kind of just um, really enhanced blog sites. Yeah. Right, that are doing that. Nobody is doing it through our world, which is live breaking news and television and video and, and, and using multiple platforms. So we have this big vision, great. It's a great vision. Normally you need tens of millions of dollars to launch something like that. I didn't have that. I didn't know where my next mortgage payment was gonna come from. Right, right. Um, and so we started on Twitter. We, we chose Twitter because it's the world's newspaper. When yeah. breaking news happens, people go to Twitter. And we just, for, I woke up one day and I said, I've spent the last 10 years of my life covering the world's problems. I wanna spend the next 10 years of my life solving those problems and showing people how good the world can be. Um, and we um, grew faster than we thought. So um, last year we had zero followers or like close to zero followers. This year, right now, as we're speaking, we're at 110,000 followers, but we reach an audience of around 40 million impressions per month. Um, our highest was I think 45 or 46 or something like that. What that means is that in that month, Goodable, our content appeared on 40 million screens around the world. Wow. And, really? and it's, it's, it's grown incredibly. We are now backed by amazing investors. Um, Google uh, is supporting us. They've made us uh, YouTube content partners, which is amazing. It's an official partnership with them. Yeah. Uh, we're backed by an amazing accelerator called On Deck um, and a roster of very well-known um, investors who have told us the same thing that our audience has told us, that they believe in us and that they believe that the world needs a news platform that uses news to make people feel healthier and make them feel happier. And that's how we got to where we are today. Okay, kind of amazing. Let's unpack a couple of pieces there. First of all, uh, the only war zone I've been in actually happens every day. It's the three teenagers who are trying to kill me. So <laughs> if you have any advice on that, that'd be great. But in all seriousness, um, there's the old adage, as you know, from your storied career, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And so why do you think that is, particularly at the network level, right? Like, why is it that we, we, they, they feel compelled to show the gore, the guts, the death, the, the abysmal abomination of what really humanity is at times, right? Versus where you're coming from, which is really a, Mohammed, a purpose-driven uh, sort of positive psychology level. And then you've kind of unearthed the fact that, hey, uh, people actually want this. We don't need if it bleeds, it leads. So just unpack that a bit for me as you kind of think about your thoughts. So that's a great question because it's the same question that I asked myself when I was at CNN. Why is it that we're doing this? And I, I really searched for an answer. And what I found was there were some studies that were done in the 1970s and the 1980s that showed something kind of twisted, where if you're watching something bad happening in another part of the world, it kind of in a twisted way makes you feel better um, because it's not happening to you. 
right? Uh, hey, this is happening over there in that part of the world. Those people are crazy. Me and my little neighborhood in North Carolina or California, wherever you are, you're happy, you're safe, you're comfortable. And it reinforces your belief that we're normal and what's happening overseas is not normal. That carried on through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, even 2000s and early 2010s, because at that point in time, viewers didn't have a choice, right? Right. So if you were like me, you grew up and you had a few television channels to watch. You yeah. had to watch it when they were on at six o'clock or the national at 10 o'clock. And that was your news diet. That's what you had. That, that was the only way that you could see what was happening around the world. About six years ago, five or six years ago, things started to change, where suddenly now people had a choice. You, mm. If Hey, listen, if you don't like watching CTV and watching Lisa LaFlam, who I think is amazing, by the way, but if you don't like watching that, you have other choices. Yeah. If you don't want to watch SportsCenter, you have Sportsnet, you have all these other things. So now what happens when you give people a choice and you give them news that's poisonous for them? And I, and I don't say that lightly. If you give them news that's poisonous for them or news that will actually make them healthier and happier and take that a step further, news that's good for you, news that's bad for you. What if you could level the playing field so you made it the same price, the same convenience, the same distance, the same way that right now you and I live in a town where all there is to eat is McDonald's, yeah. right? That's, that's all there is to eat. McDonald's owns the market. When your kids want to go out for lunch or dinner, they say, hey, dad, let's go to McDonald's because they don't yeah. know anywhere else. Doesn't seem that healthy, does it, Mohammed? Well, so now here's the question, right? So what happens if you're the first person in that town to open up a Whole Foods? Mm. And now take it, take it a step further. What if you make that Whole Foods the same price, the same convenience, and the same distance from that person's home? So now it's exactly the same. McDonald's or Whole Foods, which one would people choose? We believe that people will always choose what makes them happier and healthier if it's the same, if it's a level playing field. And what we've done is we've leveled the playing field. We've said you no longer have to go to a steady diet of negativity and floods and earthquakes and crazy politicians spouting nonsense. That's there, but come to us. We'll give you something healthy and we'll give you something wholesome and we'll actually improve your mental health. Um, so that's our belief. And um, this, the, what we're doing is a huge, it's, it's a huge, um, goodable is a validation that people want good news and they're willing to come to places that give them what they want. And that's what we're doing. So sometimes, however, uh, good news comes as a result of tragedy or bad news, i.e. Yeah. something horrific occurs or something to the degree of, uh, let's just call it not so nice or you know, denigrating of some sort, yet out of those ashes come goodness, come goodable stories. So do you, do you kind of have a almost like a, a media plot line where there's, there's goodness that just comes because, but also do you look for stories or do you have a plan in which to unearth, if you will, those stories of people doing good because something bad happened beforehand? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's exactly what we're doing. And here's a perfect example. Uh, in America, there are school shootings almost every week. Yeah. In fact, if you really look at the numbers, there are mass shootings almost every day. Yeah. But school shootings happen roughly once a week. Um, it's a headline that you've read in your own life probably dozens of times. I've read it dozens of times. And the headline typically looks like this. Gunman storms into school, 10 teenagers dead. I mean, you can change the numbers around, but that's the headline that we see. Yeah. 
So we started looking at these headlines and we said, what would happen if we never mentioned the name of the gunman even once? And what if instead of mentioning the person who did bad, we did the opposite and we started looking for the heroes. So our headline would read, meet the, meet the school janitor who just saved an entire classroom from a school shooting. And we're covering the same event. It's not like we have a different set of facts that we're dealing with. It's the yeah. same event. All we're doing is we're saying we will never talk about the villain and we will never talk about the person who did something bad. We will spend our resources and our staff's time and our energy to show the heroes who are working inside those tragedies. And the amazing thing about this is that um, those are our strongest performing posts and content. Um, because whenever there's a tragedy, there's something in the human spirit that kind of calls out and says, you know what, enough is enough. The world can't be this way. And my answer to that is that the world is not that way. Yeah. The world isn't this, 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 this place we have to be afraid of and a place that you know, is filled with bad people. I think the good people far outweigh the number of bad people. We just don't hear from them enough. Amen to that. Now, um, looking around, you seem to be either in new digs or setting something up. Uh, so tell us a bit about where you're at um, in terms of the progression and growth of Goodable. Uh, I understand you might be in um, some very uh, uh, heavenly territory when it comes to investors and investment dollars. So just where are you at and where are you going with the whole Goodable operating plan? Um, wow. So I'll tell you where we started. We started with me in my kitchen, in my pajamas on Twitter. <laughs> no money, no support, uh, no idea if this would even work. Where we are today is that we have a staff of, I think it's around 12 now. We're looking to expand to about 15. Um, we're looking to hire some of the biggest names in Canadian journalism. We have a team of uh, engineers, mobile developers, product managers, designers, you name it. Um, we're doing some incredible things with machine learning technology, which have never been done in the news before. Hmm. Um, we're about to launch a podcast. We're launching newsletters. We're launching um, a newscast that only covers good news, wow. which is a tremendous amount of fun for us. Um, and uh, we have some amazing people who are backing us, a group of investors who we love and, and they love us. Um, we have a partnership with Google regarding approached by big brands. Um, which is surprising for us, but I can kind of understand it. Um, big brands are approaching us and saying, hey, listen, we love what you're doing. We need to partner with you guys. And the proof that your startup is going well is when people approach you. Um, I don't have a sales team. I, I don't have time to go out and like arrange these partnerships. People are, are contacting, contacting us, which is great. In terms of two things, number one is this is our studio. It's a historic space in Toronto. It's a former CBC warehouse where wow. they used to manufacture props. And there's something uh, deeply rewarding for me as somebody who uh, went to the CBC and had a difficult time there um, to know that we're building the future of media in a place that is rising out of the ashes of the CBC building. So that's the studio that you see behind us. The good of a logo just came in, uh, I think it was last week or the week. I love before. it, I love it. Really proud. Um, yeah. But in terms of, in terms of funding, um, we've also raised one of the biggest pre-seed rounds in Canadian history. As, as far as I'm aware, it might even be one of the biggest. Um, our pre-seed round is more than $2 million, wow. um, which, is, which is great for a pre-seed round. Um, and I, uh, we have some investors who have asked that their name not be shared publicly, and I will respect that. Yeah. But what I can say is that we are backed by um, some of the biggest names in VC, as well as 
uh, one of the biggest names in entertainment in Hollywood. And when the time is right, we're going to announce who's backing us. And I think everybody will be blown away. Um, but we're not there yet. We're not there right. yet. Well, kudos thus far. So thank you. I, I would like to come back to the newsroom and newscast, I suppose, idea, because I love it. And one of the reasons why I like, I think, where you're going, and tell me where you're going, because I'm very curious now, is if I kind of look back to, you know, the beginning of the pandemic and, you know, rather famous actor John Krasinski came up with, you know, let's let's tell the, I think it was called the good news even, perhaps, right? And he kind of yeah. had almost like from his, you know, quarantined home office, like this way in which to tell good stories and good news. And then I think he said something to the effect of, this, this is a lot of work, so I can't do this anymore. Tell me what your newsroom is going to look like. Uh, is it like Krasinski's? Is it something different? Just give us a little bit of a peek into it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great um that's a great question. It's going to look like this. It's going to look like what you see behind me. You can't see all the angles, but it's a great, amazing creative space where we have different areas where we can shoot. Amazing. Um, it's going to be personality driven by people who are very likable on camera. And this is something that when you've been on camera a long time, you can spot in people. And you can yeah. say, you know what? This person just has a charm or a magnetism about them that just makes them very likable. Yeah. Um, that's what we're gonna look like. That's what we're gonna feel like. There's gonna be zero negativity. Um, it's gonna focus on only the good things happening around the world. And the idea is that every time you see anything that we do, or you hear anything that we do, or our app, for example, we're launching the app very soon. Anytime you press anything on the app, it's designed to make you smile. Mm -hmm. And it's not a pie in the sky thing. It's actually designed that way. So at every touch point, we want our user to smile. And forget about all the big goals that we have. If we can just make somebody smile for a couple of seconds every day, then I think we're, we're, we're doing that. But the interesting thing about John Krasinski is um, when he did his first show, it was groundbreaking. Everybody thought, wow, like this is the first time it's happened. The morning after the show, I started getting emails and messages from people in Slack messages saying, hey, I saw you on John Krasinski's show. And I was really confused. I was like, I think, did he have some other brown skin guy that was on the show? Because it sure as hell wasn't me. I don't even know the guy. What had happened was that he was um, quoting from Goodable or using Goodable content in his show. Uh. And it happened multiple times. And every time I'd just get pinged and I'd say, hey, I saw Goodable on the show or I saw you, hey, Mohammed, on the show. And so what we realized was that that was a big validation for us. Yeah. Um, because because people were were using what we had found, what we had discovered and putting it out there. The, the challenge with John Krasinski is I think he did five or six episodes at yeah. the most and Somewhere. then he sold it and then he sold it. Right. I think it was CBS Viacom that bought it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but there were nine networks that were bidding on his show. And so what that means for us is that there are eight networks out there <laughs> that, that want a good news newscast that they don't have yet. And so we think it's like a, I think it's a great opportunity for us to build something special and different and fun. And we will never, ever sell out what we're doing and sell it to like some big TV network. That's not what we're about. Um, we care so much about the audience that we've built. We know some of them by their first name. And I couldn't turn around to CBC and say, hey, why don't you just buy us? What I might do is I might say, hey, um, why don't you pay us to get our show on your, on your, uh, on, on your platform, on, on your networks, but we're not going to give up control to them. It makes total sense because, you know, um, from where you're trying to get to, you're trying to, I would suppose, to use a, a friend of mine's terminology to infect 
as many people as possible with the positive virus. And exactly. you know, when sometimes you come under corporate control or what have you, even public sector, right? You might uh, be uh, encumbered or uh, somewhat shackled by what you're really intending to do. So uh, I applaud you on that. Okay, last question. Thanks for your time, first of all. The, uh, I, I live by a personal purpose statement. It's as follows. We're not here to see through each other. We're here to see each other through. Uh, I throw the gauntlet to you because I believe that uh, is synonymous of what Goodable is trying to do. If you were to describe Goodable's purpose, is there a way in which for you to capture that uh, in a pithy way for others to sort of uh, glom onto? Yeah, I, I love that. So let me give you two. So I'll give you the version that explains kind of the, the business side, but then I'll give you the personal side. Awesome. So, so we're setting out to build the world's number one place where people come to see good things and also do good things. So it's not a passive experience. It's not just come in, hey, watch and feel good. No, we're going to help you do good things. That's the broader vision. Yeah. A more simpler way that I can describe what Goodable is, is that Goodable, I would say at Goodable, we're building the world's happy place. That's what we want to be. We want to be your happy place. We're already doing it for millions of people. Um, and the next step is to do it for a billion people. Our goal is to make 1 billion people live happier and healthier lives. If we can do that, I do not care about how much money we make. I do not care about how big we get. My goal is to make a billion people live healthier and happier lives. And that's what I'm setting out to do. Oh my gosh, uh, Mohammed Leela, thank you so much. I feel like we're two brothers from another mother. Uh, it is amazing, A, to have seen what you've done in such a short period of time with Goodable. Uh, thank you for this, and I can't wait to see where Goodable goes next. Uh, thanks so much for sharing the investment news, and um, good luck. Uh, the world needs more Goodable, needs more Mohammed Leela, to be honest. <laughs> thank you, Dan. I think the world needs a whole lot more of what you're doing as well. So. Um... Please, please take that as the as 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 a point of affection, because um, your positive energy is is needed, and the way that you look at things and the way that you write about things is amazing. You have this gift for explaining complicated subject matter in a really easy and straightforward way. So thank you so much for that, and thank you for for this conversation today. You're too kind and generous, and uh, with that. In conversation with Mohamed Leela, founder of Goodable. Thanks very much for watching. Thanks, Dan.